Hi everyone, welcome to a daily dose of orange juice. My name is Leslie Green and I am a bilateral below the knee amputee. I say this with every episode, but please remember I'm not a doctor or a clinician or a therapist. And if you have specific issues and are under the care of any of those individuals or others that I haven't mentioned, please make sure that you are adhering to their advice concerning your situation. These podcasts are just meant to get you thinking. They're not meant to be prescriptive and not meant to uh, replace or add into anyone else's advice or medical directives that you've been given. That being said, as we're moving into February, I really am feeling a need for us to focus on uh, self-image, self-confidence, and really coming into a better uh, idea of self-awareness of ourselves as amputees. So in today's podcast, I want to talk about, you know, how do you improve your self-esteem? We've been dealt a a serious situation when, when we've lost a limb and how do we go about reconnecting to ourselves and moving forward? I'm going to start with the the notion of self-worth and you know what? Everyone around us has opinions. We wake up in the morning and we're greeted by people's opinions. I like your hair, it's a cute outfit, you look really good, or gee, what's wrong? You look kind of tired. And truth be told, there's one opinion that truly matters and it's our own about ourselves. And that's the one that should be carefully evaluated. I don't know about you, but I can tend to be my hardest worst critic. The whole idea of unconditional human worth gets to the very fact that each of us is born with all the capacities that we need to live fruitfully. Everyone though has a different mix of skills and talents, which you know are at any given point at a different level of being developed. The core of self-worth is independent of things that are outside of us. Things that TV and social media value, things that we think about like beauty and wealth and you know how we call people influencers, those are not the pieces that determine our worth. I know that I'm not alone in this. When I have spent a lot of my life trying to navigate my world and friendships and relationships with the vision of looking for something that will validate my self-limiting beliefs. And you know what? I've always found it. I'm constantly putting myself on trial with a, like a life sentence of self condemnation or self-fault finding. Um, I'm my own worst critic. And that is a life sentence that we need to let go of. So let's look at some things that we can actually do to increase our feelings of self-worth. If you have been receiving my daily dose of orange juice emails, you know a few months ago, uh, we did a whole month theme on being mindful. 
And so I think that that's an important thing to take a look at in this whole idea of self-worth and self-image. Because honestly, you know, you really can't change something until you understand that there's a reason to change, that there's something that should be changed. So that awareness of our self-criticism or a negative self-talk, once we become aware of it, that's something we need to get distance between. And without this awareness, it's, it's just a trap that we believe our own negative self-limiting talk. You know, the, the old adage used to be, don't believe everything you read, right? Well, so how about if we just change it around to don't believe everything you think? As you find yourself going down that really well-worn, familiar path of self-criticism and judgment, be aware of what's happening to yourself. Remind yourself that these are thoughts. It doesn't make them true or factual. So after being mindful, I think the next thing we have to think about is can we change the story? Can we flip that script? Because we've all got a story that we've created about ourselves and it shapes how we see ourselves. And ultimately, what that whole core of our image is, is built on those thoughts and that story we've made. So if we wanna change the story, we gotta understand where did it come from? You know, in those old children's books that used to have the illuminated lettering, once upon a time. Well, what's our once upon a time? Where did this message begin? Whose voice was narrating the story that we have been rereading to ourselves? Sometimes these automatic thoughts like you're fat or you're lazy can be repeated so often that we just accept them as true. They become our belief. But these are learned things, which means that they can be unlearned. And you have to start that with affirmations. So quite honestly, what do you wish you believed about yourself? Try repeating that. And I don't know about you, but that feels almost harder than listening to the lies because it just seems so counterintuitive but it is possible to unlearn it. If we look at that image piece, you know, have you ever had somebody say to you, you know, you're a rock star, you're our, you're our shining thing, you're our secret weapon. Well, find out why they think that about you and they really get in touch with it. One of my favorite people is Albert Einstein. And he said, Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will leave, live its whole life believing that it's stupid. You know this, I know this, we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. Someone can be brilliant in math and a horrible, I don't know, uh, cook. But neither one of those abilities, whether it's the strength or the weakness, defines their core or their worth. You need to be able to recognize your strengths and what they are 
and the feelings of confidence that you get when you think about those things, especially when you're in a tough time. It's easy to make sweeping generalizations and paint everything with a big wide brush when you fail at something. But what if you reminded yourself of the ways that you rock and see how that changes your perspective? I think another thing when it comes to self-worth that we need to think about is doing for others. Sometimes it's that volunteering and I get COVID is a tough time for us to be able to do anything like this. So we have to think creatively about ways that we can remotely help others or volunteer for others. But we know this and in doing the readings that I do for these podcasts, I've read this over and over that helping others out takes you out of your head, out of yourself. It makes you less focused on your own issues. And you know, the more you do something that you can be proud of, the easier it is to recognize your own worth. Doing things that you can respect about yourself helps you to raise your self-worth in your own eyes. Let's take a look at a couple more things that would help with self-image and self-worth and self-acceptance. Forgiveness. It's the month of February, the month of love, right? So let's dig deep. Is there someone in our life that we haven't forgiven? Family member, ex-partner, yourself? You know, because holding on to the feelings that we have of anger or resentment or bitterness it just keeps us stuck in that negative cycle, right? If we haven't forgiven ourselves, then we lock into this shame cycle and it's just a vicious circle of behavior. But with forgiveness of ourself and others, we can improve our self-esteem. Maybe it's this act that connects us with our loving nature. You know, I mean, that's, that's just part of who we are. And I know when there have been people that I've harbored, you know, resentment toward, they're living rent free in my head. And I'm judging myself all the time for, for letting them live their rent free. I need to just cut them loose with forgiveness and move on and realize they're really no different than I am. They struggle with the same things and deserve the same things, which is forgiveness and a chance to renew. You know, ultimately, I think the most important thing when it comes to self-worth and self-acceptance that will help build that self-confidence that we need. You know, I mean, like I said, we've, we've gone through something tough and we're re-imaging ourselves is remember, you're not your circumstances. You are not your amputation. That's not it. Being able to really have a definite sense of distance between the circumstance I've been through and who I actually am is important to how I feel about myself, the worth I put in myself. Knowing that 
that I am bigger than what has happened to me. I've, I've done a lot of research in this, and you know, the thing that keeps coming up is that we're all born with infinite potential and equal worth. So as an amputee, as you're struggling to figure out, well, you know, who am I now? Or how do people view me? Or am I still seen as valuable because I'm missing this limb or this part of a limb? To realize that that doesn't affect your potential. That we're, to think of ourselves as being anything less is a false belief that this situation, this circumstance has brought forward. So with hard work and self-compassion, we're going to leave these negative, destructive thoughts behind. We're going to unlearn them and take steps to start to increase our self-worth. I know that these podcasts are focused on amputation, but that's not the core of who I am or who you are. It's a part. And it's a part that once you learn to move past it, you don't even see it in your life. I mean, quite honestly, yes, I am bilateral. Yeah, every day I put on my legs. But I no longer recall what it is to have natural legs. So my whole image of myself has come to a really comfortable place where looking at a prosthetic doesn't bother me. But it took time. And it took getting past the physicalness of what had happened to remember that yes, I lost a limb, but I didn't lose who I ultimately am or choose to be. And that's the same for you. But it is a process of, of going through and, you know, rewriting a chapter and looking toward a brighter finish. And I know you've got that in you. Well, that's all I have for today. I'll see you again next week. Be careful with yourself. Hi everyone, welcome to A Daily Dose of Orange Juice. My name is Leslie Green and I am a bilateral below the knee amputee. As I do every week, I start with the disclaimer that the information I'm going to share is based on research that I've done. And if you are under the care of a doctor, a therapist, or a clinician, I want you to make sure that you adhere to their advice strictly. Mine is not to replace what they've advised you to do. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of setting a goal in your life as an amputee. And a lot of times we think that that only had to do with rehab, that once we got out of there, that we were scot-free and, and no longer needed to do that. But I don't think that's true. And I think that whether you're an individual living with amputation or not, it's critical that we continuously be pushing ourselves beyond our comfort zones in reasonable fashions toward goals that lead to bigger things in our life. Many of you know that I was a teacher for a very long time, and so I spent years and years helping people set goals. And so I think we just start right off with that. What is goal setting? And goal setting, you know, it's a process. It helps you choose where you want to go and what you want to do with your future. But it includes the steps that you're going to need to take to get there. Along with that, 
you know, thinking about who is going to help you set these goals. So many times we think it's entirely up to us. And if we don't do it all on our own, then we didn't achieve our goal. And I think the one thing that I've learned as a bilateral amputee is the beauty of interdependence. Our world tells us that we have to go it alone and that can be such an isolating experience. And that if we didn't achieve it entirely on our own, somehow we were cheating or failing and I don't believe that's true. So looking at who can help you set goals, I think it's important to know that early on after your amputation, you knew that you were gonna need help from either your healthcare team or family and friends to set your goals because they knew what you needed to work at. So there's no shame in looking toward the same people to help you continue setting your goals and achieving them. Early on as an amputee, we set the priority of our goals and we knew the benefits of our goals were aimed at one end platform and that was getting home and getting back to life. But I think we miss out on the fact that there are a lot of benefits behind setting goals other than just that final analysis. Setting goals helps all of us to define our pathways of the days that lay ahead of us, whether there's a big outcome that we're hoping to achieve or just simple day-to-day -day satisfaction. Another benefit for setting goals is it helps you to be in control of what you're aiming for. Now I know what you're thinking, wait a second, you said that I was gonna work with other people. Sure, but ultimately your goal is yours to be in control of. Others may come alongside, but it helps you to be in control. Goals also help you to guide those people who are coming alongside because without that, they're not sure what their purpose is and they don't know what the end result is going to be. I think two things that, that are obvious yet overlooked, our goals keep us motivated and they are the benchmark that we measure our improvement by. So something that became popular a few years ago and was all the buzz in the education system and it started to leak its way out uh, into other areas is something called a SMART goal. And SMART is an acronym and a SMART goal is an effective goal. And looking at what SMART means, it, the S stands for specific, M is measurable, A is achievable, that's really important, R is resourced and realistic, here's where people come in, and time sensitive. And I think without that time-sensitive piece, many of us lose track and lose motivation. We overshoot when we make goals. We would leave that component out entirely. So we, we lost track of what we were going for because it, it was too big to accomplish for us to continue to be motivated by it. So let's break down the components of a SMART goal. We said S stood for specific. All right, that seems fairly easy. If something is specific, then you know what? It's directly related to what you want. It, it's very clear what you're trying to achieve. You're specific. As an amputee, I wanna learn how to put my liners on. I remember that the first time I ever tried that alone, thinking, am I ever gonna get this done? 
I was very specific what I needed to do. Measurable. Here's, here's that scientific piece that we don't want to include. We want it to be so subjective and feel good. But really, a goal should be measurable. Otherwise, maybe it wasn't a goal at all. It was just something you got, got tired of doing and needed to do again. But a goal is going to have a measurable outcome. So the, the measurable relates to what you actually need to do to achieve this goal. The A, achievable. And again, here's one that I stopped and paused and said, this is really a critical component. It's got to be realistic. And realistic can relate to the time factor, how much time there is to do this in, and what resources are available to help you do it. There again, resources, people and things. The R stood for resourced and realistic. See, these two are, they're actually, all of them are all really interconnected, but these two specifically. So when we talk about something being resourced and realistic, what we're, what we're looking at is that this has got to be important to you and something that's going to be of benefit to you. Otherwise, you're never going to make any strides toward it. And then finally, time sensitive. You need to set a date or at least a target that you're going to aim at to achieve your goal by. And there again, that keeps us motivated. So for example, um, I want to be able to walk, um, um, I don't know, for 10 minutes or a quarter mile on my treadmill. All right. Well, that's specific. And is it reasonable? Yeah. Is it resourceable? Yep, I have a treadmill. Time specific? Ooh, I haven't said in how long. I need to be conscious of that. So I want to really make sure every time I'm setting a goal, I'm, I'm specifically going down those letters and those elements of goal setting. So I think we need to take a look at something with that time sensitive piece that there are short-term goals medium-term goals and long-term goals that we set in our lives whether we realize it or not so let's take a look at what these time-bound goals are so with a short-term goal this is something obviously that you're going to do in a short amount of time for example when you first got your prosthesis having the ability to stand up for short periods of time or even being able to manage to walk the length of the parallel bars was a short-term goal. It was something that you and your clinician agreed upon right then and there, and you took the, the appropriate steps to do it. It was short-term. That wasn't something that was going to take, you know, weeks and months and years. In most cases, I should say. I don't want to overgeneralize that. Let's look at a medium-term goal. This is a goal that includes things that are gonna take a little bit longer, maybe more resources, more activity to achieve. An example of this might be walking the length of the hallway at your clinician's office and back again using a walking aid, whether it's a cane or a walker, or getting used to walking around safe areas in your house without a walking aid, but maybe you still have a hand on the counter or you have something close enough that if you needed to, 
you could be safe in doing that. But here you're, you've moved beyond the parallel bars into more community uh, aims. And then a long-term goal. This goal includes things that gradually you're going to aim at. And you'll achieve this as you grow more confident with your prosthesis. And that might take weeks or months. An example of this might be feeling confident enough to walk through a busy shopping center or using an escalator. Maybe it's going somewhere on your own, like a grocery store, picking up a few items and coming back. But goal setting is critical and it's something that all of us need to do. It has so many benefits um, that we need to keep in mind. It affects our confidence level. It affects our um, self-image. It is something that we can't overlook. So I gave examples of things that were pretty immediate on in the prosthetic experience. But I think it's important that as we become legacy users of prosthesis, that we continue to set these SMART goals and work toward them on a, on a daily, weekly basis. It's true um, that you know many people who set goals achieve them, but research that I was looking at suggested that out of 98 people participating in a goal-setting study as amputees, only 64 of them went on to achieve goals that they set as, a, as an amputee. And I think that has to relate to how did they set them? Were they specific? Were they measurable? Were they achievable? Were they resourceable? And were they time-specific? So go ahead and think about some things. This winter, hopefully, is winding down. Some things that you want to set as goals for yourself as we come closer to spring, which I think is less than 45 days away, and getting back outside, although COVID keeps us isolated, back outside, what are some activities that you can do short, measurable goals for that will enhance your life as a prosthetic user? Well, I hope the reminder about how to set good goals was helpful. And I'll look forward to seeing you next week. Hi, everyone. Welcome to A Daily Dose of Orange Juice. My name is Leslie Green, and I am a bilateral below-the-knee amputee. As I do every week, I start with the disclaimer that the information I'm going to share is based on research that I've done. And if you are under the care of a doctor, a therapist, or a clinician, I want you to make sure that you adhere to their advice strictly Mine is not to replace what they've advised you to do. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of setting a goal in your life as an amputee. And a lot of times we think that that only had to do with rehab, that once we got out of there, that we were scot-free and, and no longer needed to do that. But I don't think that's true. And I think that whether you're an individual living with amputation or not, it's critical that we continuously be pushing ourselves beyond our comfort zones in reasonable fashions 
toward goals that lead to bigger things in our life. Many of you know that I was a teacher for a very long time. And so I spent years and years helping people set goals. And so I think we just start right off with that. What is goal setting? And goal setting, you know, it's a process. It helps you choose where you want to go and what you want to do with your future. But it includes the steps that you're going to need to take to get there. Along with that, you know, thinking about who is going to help you set these goals. So many times we think it's entirely up to us. And if we don't do it all on our own, then we didn't achieve our goal. And I think the one thing that I've learned as a bilateral amputee is the beauty of interdependence. Our world tells us that we have to go it alone. And that can be such an isolating experience. And that if we didn't achieve it entirely on our own, somehow we were cheating or failing. And I don't believe that's true. So looking at who can help you set goals, I think it's important to know that early on, after your amputation, you knew that you were going to need help from either your healthcare team or family and friends to set your goals because they knew what you needed to work at. So there's no shame in looking toward the same people to help you continue setting your goals and achieving them. Early on as an amputee, we set the priority of our goals and we knew the benefits of our goals were aimed at one end platform and that was getting home and getting back to life. But I think we miss out on the fact that there are a lot of benefits behind setting goals other than just that final analysis. Setting goals helps all of us to define our pathways of the days that lay ahead of us, whether there's a big outcome that we're hoping to achieve or just simple day-to-day satisfaction. Another benefit for setting goals is it helps you to be in control of what you're aiming for. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. You said that I was going to work with other people. Sure, but ultimately your goal is yours to be in control of. Others may come alongside, but it helps you to be in control. Goals also help you to guide those people who are coming alongside because without that, they're not sure what their purpose is. They don't know what the end result is going to be. I think two things that, that are obvious yet overlooked, our goals keep us motivated and they are the benchmark that we measure our improvement by. So something that became popular a few years ago and was all the buzz in the education system and it started to leak its way out uh, into other areas is something called a SMART goal. And SMART is an acronym. And a SMART goal is an effective goal. And looking at what SMART means, the S stands for specific, M is measurable, A is achievable, that's really important, R is resourced and realistic, here's where people come in, Um, time sensitive. And I think without that time sensitive piece, many of us lose track and lose motivation. We overshoot when we make goals, we would leave that component out entirely. So we, we lost track of what we were going for because it 
was too big to accomplish for us to continue to be motivated by it. So let's break down the components of a SMART goal. We said S stood for specific. All right, that seems fairly easy. If something is specific, then you know what? It's directly related to what you want. It, it's very clear what you're trying to achieve. You're specific. As an amputee, I want to learn how to put my liners on. I remember that the first time I ever tried that alone, thinking, am I ever going to get this done? It was very specific what I needed to do. Measurable. Here's, here's that scientific piece that we don't want to include. We want it to be so subjective and feel good. But really, a goal should be measurable. Otherwise, maybe it wasn't a goal at all. It was just something you got got tired of doing and needed to do again. But a goal is going to have a measurable outcome. So the, the measurable relates to what you actually need to do to achieve this goal. The A, achievable. And again, here's one that I stopped and paused and said, this is really a critical component. It's got to be realistic. And realistic can relate to the time factor, how much time there is to do this in, and what resources are available to help you do it. There again, resources, people and things. The R stood for resourced and realistic. See, these two are, they're actually all of them are all really interconnected, but these two specifically. So when we talk about something being resourced and realistic, what we're what we're looking at is that this has got to be important to you and something that's going to be of benefit to you. Otherwise, you're never going to make any strides toward it. And then finally, time sensitive. You need to set a date or at least a target that you're going to aim at to achieve your goal by. And there again, that keeps us motivated. So for example, um, I want to be able to walk um, um, I don't know, for 10 minutes or a quarter mile on my treadmill. All right, well, that's specific. And is it reasonable? Yeah. Is it resourceable? Yep, I have a treadmill. Time specific? Ooh, I haven't said in how long. I need to be conscious of that. So I want to really... Make sure every time I'm setting a goal, I'm, I'm specifically going down those letters and those elements of goal setting. So I think we need to take a look at something with that time sensitive piece. That there are short-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals that we set in our lives, whether we realize it or not. So let's take a look at what these time-bound goals are. So with a short-term goal, this is something, obviously, that you're going to do in a short amount of time. For example, when you first got your prosthesis, having the ability to stand up for short periods of time or even being able to manage to walk the length of the parallel bars was a short-term goal. It was something that you and your clinician agreed upon right then and there, and you took the the appropriate steps to do it. It was short-term. That wasn't something that was going to take, you know, weeks and months and years. In most cases, I should say. I don't want to overgeneralize that. 
Let's look at a medium term goal. This is a goal that includes things that are gonna take a little bit longer, maybe more resources, more activity to achieve. An example of this might be walking the length of the hallway at your clinician's office and back again using a walking aid, whether it's a cane or a walker, or getting used to walking around safe areas in your house without a walking aid, but maybe you still have a hand on the counter or you have something close enough that if you needed to, you could be safe in doing that. But here you're, you've moved beyond the parallel bars into more community uh, aims. And then a long-term goal. This goal includes things that gradually you're gonna aim at. And you'll achieve this as you grow more confident with your prosthesis. And that might take weeks or months. An example of this might be feeling confident enough to walk through a busy shopping center or using an escalator. Maybe it's going somewhere on your own, like a grocery store, picking up a few items and coming back. But goal setting is critical and it's something that all of us need to do it has so many benefits um, that we need to keep in mind. It affects our confidence level. It affects our um, self-image. It is something that we can't overlook. So I gave examples of things that were pretty immediate on in the prosthetic experience. But I think it's important that as we become legacy users of prosthesis, that we continue to set these SMART goals and work toward them on a, on a daily, weekly basis. It's true um, that you know many people who set goals achieve them, but research that I was looking at suggested that out of 98 people participating in a goal-setting study as amputees, only 64 of them went on to achieve goals that they set as, a, as an amputee. And I think that has to relate to how did they set them? Were they specific? Were they measurable? Were they achievable, were they resourceable, and were they time-specific. So go ahead and think about some things as winter hopefully is winding down, some things that you want to set as goals for yourself as we come closer to spring, which I think is less than 45 days away, and getting back outside, although COVID keeps us isolated, back outside, what are some activities that you can do short, measurable goals for that will enhance your life as a prosthetic user. Well, I hope the reminder about how to set good goals was helpful, and I'll look forward to seeing you next week.